Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This was built from social media. And I think this uh, innate connection that we as Indigenous people have with one another, and that it's a connection of history, it's a connection of pain, and it's a connection of this newfound joy and like this way in the horizon um we see a nation of us across what we call turtle island is north america of we're rising and we're changing the narrative together hey guys welcome to breaking beauty the podcast all about the best-selling beauty products and the damn good stories behind them we're your hosts carlene higgins and jill dunn Hey, Jill. Hi, Carlene. Welcome back to the studio. Nice to see you again. I feel like we were just here. We were just here. Yes, we dropped two episodes last week. That's that's different for us. We were hustling, baby. Yeah, it was a Sephora bonanza, beauty <laughs> sure bonanza. Was. There was just so much to talk about. I know. That we had to put it, we had to give it to people in two episodes and get it to you ASAP. I so. hope you guys liked it. Let us know. Send yeah. us a DM, write us a review, tell us what you liked. We want to know what was in your haul bags. Can I just say that an Apple podcast review legitimately makes my day? I know. So if you guys ever want to make my day, there's no pressure, but just write us a little note on there what you like, what you'd like to see more mm-hmm. of. Today we are really excited because <laughs> we are back in founder mode mm-hmm. and we are honestly honored and thrilled to be talking with this woman and bringing her story to you today. Absolutely. The brand name is Cheekbone Beauty, founded by Ojibwe entrepreneur Jennifer Harper. And we really feel like she's doing something that pretty much nobody else is, at least not on our radar, not at this level in color cosmetics. Yeah. Her brand is socially conscious and I really feel like this is the direction that beauty brands and especially indie beauty brands are going yeah um, people want to know that their their purchase is making a difference not only making them look good on the outside but they want to feel good on the inside too and that their purchase is making a impact on someone else's life so a lot of you may not have heard of cheekbone beauty yet but we really believe that you're gonna love this line and everything that it stands for. In a nutshell, we asked Jen to describe Cheekbone Beauty, and she said that they are a Canadian-made cosmetics brand that supports First Nations education and literally uses lipstick as a platform to talk about social injustice for First Nations communities. Jen started Cheekbone Beauty back in 2016, and I think she was really thinking grassroots about her own community at the time. But, you know, it's growing and social media is so powerful. And now this brand is really resonating across the entire continent. 
And even people are starting to hear about it in like Australia. She's starting to get orders. Yeah. So Cheekbone Beauty is considered a social enterprise. So it's not a charity. It is for profit. But with every makeup purchase, a portion of the proceeds, it's donated back to education in Indigenous communities. Love that. But what's equally remarkable about this brand is that every time you're wearing one of these lipsticks, Carlene, people will stop you in the street and ask what you're wearing. I've been there when it's happened. Yeah. The colors. Okay. So what we're talking about is the long lasting liquid lipstick. Mm -hmm. And these shades are like pow. Yeah. They just really pop. They do have other products. They've got lip glosses, brow products, and a contour highlighter palette. But I'm just obsessed with the long wear liquid lipstick. And what color were you wearing in Los Angeles when we were there and everyone was asking you about it? You know what? I actually brought two shades to LA. And the first time I was wearing a hot pink. It's called Wanique. Mm -hmm. I was really obsessed with all these street style pictures that I was looking at from spring fashion week. And like there were all these editors wearing pops of neon with like brown and neutral shades. So I kind of was riffing on that. So I wore a brown dress with the hot pink lip. And it was on our Instagram stories and people were DMing me. They were like, what is that lipstick? And I think from a, at first glance, you might think it's NARS or MAC based on the pigment or makeup forever. It's just that kind of intensity with the pigment. Yeah. You probably wouldn't have guessed that it was this feel good indie brand. Yeah. I really don't (laughs) think so. No. And then the next time, so this was a few days later when we went to Sephora Mm -hmm. and I wore this really vibrant coral called Serene. And people were asking me all day long what lipstick I was wearing. And I was honestly kind of shocked because it's like most people there had never heard of Cheekbone. And these are like pro makeup artists, hardcore beauty heads who had Mm -hmm. like paid huge money to be there. So I just think that's such a testament to the performance behind these products. Yeah. And I first stumbled across the brand in Toronto Makeup Zone. It's a Toronto-based Facebook group. It's kind of like Reddit, but in a Facebook forum. And people are all always talking about what's hot, what's new, what's next, what's kind of indie and bubbling up. And there was so many women sharing selfies, um, both Indigenous and non-Indigenous women sharing selfies with these lipstick colors on. And everyone's like, oh, they have this new retail pop up here and you can Mm -hmm. buy it online. And it just was creating so much buzz because the lip colors were so bomb. Yeah. The shade names are all named after inspiring Indigenous women. So Wanique that I mentioned is named after Wanique Horn Miller. She is the first Mohawk woman from Canada to ever compete in the Olympic Games. That's major. And then Serene that I talked about, that hot coral, is named after Serene Fox. She is an Anishinaabekwe artist, an activist, and host of Rise on Viceland. She's she's hella cool, total babe. And I just saw she has her own podcast now. Oh, yeah? I hope I don't mess up this name, but it's part of the Art Gallery of Ontario. It's Anthropocene. Is Did I say that right? Okay. Anthropocene podcast. So okay. it's a society and cultural podcast. Very cool. Yeah. I know that this fall, they also came out with a couple of new ones. One of them is called Bethany. It's a deep uh, berry color named after LA fashion designer, Bethany Yellowtail. She's been written up in Vogue. Super cool as well. And then there's Devery, a smoky cranberry color that is named after actress Devery Jacobs. Mm-hmm. She's a rising star. She's born and raised in the Ganawage Mohawk territory. That's in Quebec. 
She was at Toronto Film Festival this year, I do believe. Mm-hmm. She's been recognized by Hollywood Reporter and Refinery29 because she acts, but she also directs short films. One of them is called Stolen, and it's described as one Native girl's life before becoming one of over 1,200 missing and murdered Indigenous women in Canada. So this is like an ongoing case. Right. Big headlines her here, and I'm sure across uh, the world, it's a national tragedy mm-hmm. and still a mystery. Yes. So I love that her artwork is shining a light on that. What I really love about Cheekbone is that I think what caught our attention right away is this vibrant, this positive, this strong community of young women that Cheekbone is curating on its Instagram feed. Mm -hmm. You just have one look at the feed and it's like all of these beautiful, powerful women wearing t-shirts that say things like water protectors make better lovers or strong, resilient indigenous t-shirts. So it's almost like this idea of uniting through beauty and seeing the beauty in a community that frankly have been left in the shadows by fashion and beauty media and the beauty industry at large. Completely agree. And, um, you know, it's just a really bright spot in amongst all of the very serious and rightfully so very serious headlines that we see about the missing and murdered Indigenous women, about the suicide epidemic amongst young Indigenous youth in this country. It's just there's so much tragedy in this community. And I love what Jen has done. She's like, but wait, there's also a lot of beauty and a lot to be celebrated. And she's using lipstick to sort of elevate that message. It truly is inspiring, mm-hmm. um, especially for young women. And we aren't the only ones to have taken notice. Last month, Jen was one of 10 female entrepreneurs in Canada selected to sit down with Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Yes, the topic was all about Canadian female entrepreneurs. Sadly, they only receive 15% of the capital invested in business in Canada. We got to change that. There's mm-hmm. so many amazing female entrepreneurs yeah, here. that noise. Um, so thankfully, the Canadian government is trying to help change this stat and help women succeed. And the first step is hosting roundtables like that. Even though Cheekbone Beauty is Canadian, almost half of the sales come from outside of Canada. And as we, I think we might've mentioned this, she even has orders coming in from Australia now because it really is unique. And I think, like I said, the, you know, the, the quality of the pigments are so great that it's like, you love the story, but you love the product too. I mean, what's not to embrace here? Jen definitely has goals to become a global company. We sat down with her a few months back and we were blown away by her story, the work that she's doing. And even though it's really still a side hustle, yeah, that's crazy. Um, she's got a full-time job and she's a mom of two and what she's been able to accomplish thus far is incredible. Mm-hmm. And there's so much more to be done. She's a public speaker because she is so inspiring. She speaks to Indigenous schools, universities, and corporations. Some of the content you'll hear in today's podcast is sensitive. It gets personal. It gets emotional when Jen talks to us about dealing with alcoholism and her brother's suicide. You're going to hear all about how Jen created Cheekbone Beauty. But first, it's important to understand where she came from. Jen Harper, the founder of Cheekbone Beauty Cosmetics. So I grew up in uh, the Niagara region. I still live there today with my family, but I was born in Thunder Bay 
And then my mother moved to Niagara, I think when I was about five. My mom was a single mom. My dad was from a First Nation community in northwestern Ontario. Mm -hmm. So just almost on the border of Manitoba called Northwest Angle, um, just outside of like Kenora. So it's in it, the little town there is called Sioux Narrows. And then my dad lived in Toronto. So when I was in my younger years, I would go visit him uh, sometimes on the weekends back and forth. So Gabriel Dumont, which is still like a native um, housing project in Scarborough, that's where he lived at the time. And a designer, Sage Paul, who I met recently as well, she um, was one of the women in charge of just the Indigenous Fashion Week that just happened mm -hmm. um, a few months ago in Toronto. And she also grew up for some time in Gabriel Dumont. So it's it's funny that when you come back to your communities, you you have these same connections with people. My mom was quite young. I think she was 20 when when she got pregnant with me and had me when she was 21. And just to clarify, um, your mom is non-Indigenous? Yes. Okay. What were your hobbies? What did you like to do for fun? Totally loved makeup ever since I was little, like always. I still like get a little nostalgic with that, right? I don't know if it was opening it, the way the pressed powder felt on your fingertips. When you're little, you remember things like that, right? Always got into my mom's stuff, like high heels, uh, any of her friends. If I went to their houses right away, I was snooping in people's bedrooms at stuff, going in their drawers, <laughs> which I don't think you're supposed to do <laughs> when you go visit someone's home, but I totally always did that. Um, yeah, lots of maple leaf, like totally... Uh, we were pretty poor, so I always like would imagine what it would be like not to be poor. I listened to an interview on CBC that um, it was a bit of a journey for you to embrace your cultural heritage. Can you talk to us a bit about that and what that journey was like for you? I knew from a young age, I'm totally different. I grew up in Niagara. There wasn't any like brown people hardly around when I was there. It was a very white community, so I, I definitely stood out. I knew there was like, people didn't like native people or Indians, whatever they called them back then, right? There was something like, so I kind of always made up a story that um, to other people, I would never fully admit to people that I was a native girl. I don't know why. And it's, I think it's because that story sticks in your head. Like there's something about them that people don't like or get or understand. So I'm going to just pretend I'm not that. Um, and then spending time with my dad on and off while he lived in Toronto, I realized there was like a lot of dysfunction. So he never drank around me, but afterwards I had found out that it, that was kind of like he would put on <laughs> like, um, in front of me, he wouldn't do a lot of stuff that he did around, I guess, my brothers. My brothers had told me this after. But my mom had always told me, your dad has a serious drinking problem. Let me know if when you're there, you see anything. I think I was 12. It was between 12 or 14. He moved back to the reservation, and that's where he still lives to this day. Um, so I went there to visit him for the first time. And that was my first experience going to a reservation. And then, so you're treated like an outsider because I'm a city girl, um, and it was just so different. We weren't ever wealthy, uh, by any means when I lived with my mom, but there was extreme poverty. Um, but there was that, but it was also the loving experience of meeting my grandmother and my grandfather. Um, there was love. You felt that, but it was just, I just knew I'm like, okay, something isn't right. It was like, it, I was making this connection that 
those feelings I had as a young child were extending and in, into my young teen years going, there's something wrong with this picture. Um, and seeing that poverty is, is, it's almost, it's heartbreaking. There are so many women out there who are surely in your position and had, have had similar experiences. So it's great to share your story. And I eat, every time I do, I'm like, is it ever going to get easier? <sighs> okay. Mm-hmm. So just in those teen years, I would, this is, I would say my, like the years I started running away from my, I didn't, I didn't grow up with any part of my culture, very little bits. Like I would do, um, like now there's a lot of like traditional ceremonies and powwows that people go to. I never did any of that because mm-hmm. I grew up with my mom. And then any time that I did spend with my dad, if we did, we never, I'd never gone to a powwow in my life until a few years ago with my, with my kids. Um, and the first, so those teen years, I literally spent running away. I say that now, like I spent most of my life running away from being indigenous or native Canadian. Um, and it wasn't until like 38 that I embraced it and started trying to figure things out. But most of those teen years were spent in denial of who I was and where I came from. Well, tell us about your first job (laughs) and then lead us into how Cheekbone came to be. So my first job was a shampoo girl. (laughs) But then I was like, I hate washing other people's hair. I'm getting out of this. It was washing people's hair. And it was like this little little strip mall like salon where like elderly people come. So I was just like, (laughs) I am not washing old ladies hair for the rest of my life when you're 15. Now, and they all said I did a great job though. They love, (laughs) I would like give a good, a good shampoo, which I, which now when you go get your hair shampooed is really important, right? Like a good shampoo. So I realized, yeah, I was, but anyway, I didn't love it. And then took a job as a dishwasher. And I tell this story a lot when I do speaking in my during my day job because being a dishwasher is probably the worst job in the restaurant business. Right. Mm -hmm. And I remember I'd be washing pots. Um, but I was born with this. Um, and I know it's from my mom as well, that I worked my butt off at everything I've ever done. And some of the cooks and chefs would come back and be like, you do not have to scrub the pots like that. Like just get them clean. But no, they would be like so clean. They would be like spotless and shining and they were like we've never seen anyone clean pots like this so I was an extraordinary dishwasher as well but like my hands were raw so I didn't do that very long and then I ended up moving to the front of the house which is like being a busser then a server and then always moved into like restaurant management which is you're never making as much money as you did while you're serving but when I the beauty about serving was I realized the better you are at this, the more money you make. So that was like another life moment where you realize when you're really good at something and you care about the people you're serving and taking care of, that um, there's financial prosperity at the end of that. Jen took some business courses at university, but ended up moving back to her hometown to live with her mom when the cost of living in the big city was too high. Relatable. Yeah. (laughs) That's where she met her husband, whom she married at the age of 25. Shortly afterwards, she had her first child, a boy, and then a daughter a few years after that. 
She eventually re-entered the job market in the restaurant industry, built a house in Niagara, moved around several times, and coincidentally ended up re-buying that same house several years later. Crazy. Today, Jen works in sales for a seafood company and is growing her cosmetics business, Cheekbone Beauty, on the side. The question on everyone's mind, how did a side hustle as a cosmetics creator come from a totally unrelated career in the food industry? Well, in a moment of foreshadowing, Jen first put the idea into the universe during a random HR questionnaire back in 2008. Your first week you did this questionnaire and it was like, all of these things that you'd like. And the one question it asked was, what would be your dream job? If you could have any job, what would it be? And I wrote, and it like still gives me shivers to this day because I had no inkling of this at all. I wrote to be the CEO of a cosmetics brand. And I didn't even remember that till probably about a year into working on Cheekbone. I was like, what? And I was like literally going, oh my gosh, I wrote that down. Like, that's crazy. Like, how did that happen? But it would be years before Jen's dream would begin to take shape. First, she would have to come to grips with her addiction. So 2008, that's the first time I admitted to myself that I think I have a drinking problem. Mm -hmm. And there was a story. It was on the cover of the Toronto Star, and I'm reading the paper that day. So I'm like on my kitchen floor. It's this uh, native indigenous man from Saskatchewan. And it was in the winter and he was so intoxicated that he stumbled, took his two babies outside and they ended up freezing to death. And I was like in a puddle on my kitchen floor thinking, oh my God, that could be me. And why do we have this problem? I went, oh my goodness. Like, you know, humans, we are responsible for our behavior. But in some cases, there's extraordinary circumstances. It was that day that I admitted to myself that I knew I had a problem. I hadn't admitted it publicly yet. Um, and it took some along of many years. So that's when I kind of started thinking, okay, I'm going to stop drinking. But every alcoholic that hears this is going to be like, okay, I'm only going to drink wine. I'm not going to drink this anymore. I'm only going to drink beer. It's like that literally um, the trying to get sober went on for many, many years so in 2010, I checked into a rehab and did five week program, but then it was probably about six weeks after relapse and then tried again. And then this whole like relapse on and off thing went on till 2014. It was to the point where my, like I would be losing everything, family, like financially, I was just making stupid financial decisions. Um, and my husband, I think well, I don't think I know he had enough. Our marriage would have ended and he would have taken the kids. So it was that kind of, you have to quit or you're going to lose everything. Mm -hmm. um, Do you have like a defining moment where you thought, I am, I know who I am now? Or how did you come to that realization? In 2014 uh, is when I got sober. It's been like a journey since then learning. I've done so much reading and research over these last few years. It's been incredible. But I read the TRC, the Truth and Reconciliation Report. So I read that shortly after it came out. And for like every night I'd be reading it and I would be going through these crazy emotions like because I'd be angry one minute and then crying the next because there's so many things that I had no idea about. And it was like completely like an aha going oh my goodness this it explains everything it's like 
all of the things that I thought, none of it was true. Um, or if it is true, like, this is why this is, there's reasons. This is the why. So mm-hmm. as soon as I figured out the why it was like, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to be like the heavens opening up or you just, it, and then I was like, okay, this idea that I've always known I had to do something or wanted to do something. It was that that's when I call it cheekbone is like the birth of my reconciliation to my culture and my family and my dad and, um, and all of my people, I would, I would say across, across North America, um, that I feel connect. It's so funny. Cause when you do see another indigenous person, you feel this weird connection <laughs> yeah. and no matter where you are, there's yeah. like a lot, um, of uh native americans in the area we just came from in arizona and you see them and it's just like an automatic like smile with with each other because you know yeah and i just wanted to clarify for our listeners if they may not know what the truth and reconciliation report that you're referring to was it was specific to canada and it came out in 2014 2013 it was a six-year project that started in 2006 i believe it came out 2012 right Mm -hmm. yeah but it took them six years because it was literally interviewing survivors going through like massive massive amount of like records and uh interviewing people that actually worked at schools so it was a big big project and when you are reading it it's like super emotional you're feeling so connected to some of these stories I can't think of it verbatim but it's the first quote in the truth and reconciliation commission with our first prime minister and it basically says that Indian people were savages and they need to become white it was the ultimate goal and people thought that that was okay mm-hmm. but what you don't realize is you're you're tearing people's souls out of mm-hmm. them like you're you're making someone try to be something they're 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 absolutely not and shouldn't have to be and um it's destroyed an entire nation of people and it still happens like this is the thing and this is what i say i use lipstick as a platform to talk about social injustice that in manitoba alone the amount of first nations kids in care that are not with their families is extraordinarily high compared to white children in care so the, the it's still happening to this day and there's many many stories i've read so many but there's of of young women um who have all their kids taken away some of them taken away and getting them back is is proving to be extremely difficult uh and i mean i'm sure there's reasons but it's um when you read some of the situations you're like okay things aren't adding up here it it sounds so it's really it's really puzzling it's really disheartening to see how much of this still happens it's Mm -hmm. still going on right when I talk to people about just my cause that I support people Canadians don't know that there's a 30 to 50 percent funding gap for a kid that's going to school on the res versus a kid that's going to school here in Toronto Mm -hmm. like that in some cases is four thousand to fourteen thousand dollars less per student. Mm-hmm. What does that tell a kid? Mm-hmm. Like we all know that education is the answer for so many people, mm-hmm. especially marginalized, impoverished communities. If if someone gets educated in any shape or form, mm-hmm. it in, it enlightens your mind, empowers who you are, and you, then you can go out and do something and make some kind of change mm-hmm. to give yourself a, a better life.
Cheekbone Beauty was born from Jen's sobriety. Here, the moment that sparked it all. In 2015, so keep in mind, I'm like, have this thing that I know I need to do something. I want to do something. It's there. It's in my mind. Um, I have a dream and I literally wake up in the middle of the night, like it's two o'clock and I'm like, shook my husband. I'm like, this is it. This is what I'm going to do. And he's like, what the hell are you talking about? (laughs) Rolls over and goes back to sleep. Right. I get up, grab my laptop and I literally start the beginnings of a business plan for, for cheekbone beauty. In my dream, there was these little girls and they were covered in, in lip gloss. So I woke up and I was like, that's it. I'm going to make lip gloss. I'm going to sell it and start a foundation in my grandmother's name, Emily Paul, who's a residential school survivor and, uh, send kids to school with scholarships. That was the original plan. So then I meet with a business advisory board and they're like, no, <laughs> you can't start a foundation in a business at the same time. We suggest you find an organization that you can support with donations and do it that way because it's, it's just much too difficult. In that first meeting, um, and I was trying to get through it and be all business-like, but of course I ended up breaking down crying as I always do. <laughs> um, they, I saw in half of the, the group they saw, I saw it in their eyes. Cause I, in my mind, I was like, okay, if they're like, this is the stupidest idea ever. Maybe I'd be like, okay, they're right. Like if this many people don't think it's good, but half of them were getting it. And I could see that. Jen took the advisory board's words to heart. She went to bed that night, contemplating which organization she could trust to provide donations from the sale of her forthcoming lip glosses. The next day, she awoke to find an organization called the First Nation Child and Family Caring Society of Canada, run by a woman named Cindy Blackstock. If you've ever met this woman, she is like the embodiment of like morality, integrity, like she is incredible, absolutely incredible. And I'd never met her and I didn't know her, but then I found the organization and then I realized in January of 2000. 16 she won because she's a lawyer and the executive director of the first nation child and family caring society she won the tribunal case so i remembered seeing her on the news and i'm like oh my goodness this is the same woman so she's been fighting for the rights essentially of first nations children for like the last 13 years and they agreed that that it would be no problem. Obviously, they're going to take donations. They're not for profit. Um, and it's been amazing ever since. So a lot of people wanna would have a similar dream to be working in cosmetics and makeup, but having had no background, then that's a whole other hurdle to get. A, like, So what did you, do, did you do to start Googling suppliers? So 2015 was literally the year I'd call of just like market research and development and business planning. And that's all I did for that year. I would work like my day job and come home and work another eight hours every night until the wee hours of the morning. I knew it had to be lipstick and then liquids sort of, because I originally started with uh, tubed lipstick and then I discovered what I don't love about a tube lipstick is they're never the color that they look like in the tube, right? That's like my biggest thing now. I hate when you go to swatch it and it looks nothing like what the actual color looks like of the lipstick tube, right? So when I discovered liquid lipsticks, I was like, this is amazing. So, and people absolutely love them. Did you have any background in makeup artistry at all? Or like, how did you know that these were like up to snuff? 
it's customer experience. Like I okay. am like, what's the highest rating at Sephora? Like that's been me. I'm in there. I say I go there to unwind, right? I'll just like touch stuff. Like products has been since I was, couldn't even afford products. I think that's where all my money always went was like products, products. I just absolutely love the beauty industry. And people are like, it's horrible. Why would anyone love that? Because it's like, yeah, but uh, I do. I don't know. It's just, I love it. It sounds like you have an emotional connection. I like, think, does it make, yeah. if, you put, if you put on lipstick, does it make you feel a certain way? Literally, when you're battling something like alcoholism, you feel like a bag of dirt. Like, and you, and it's, that's coming from the inside. So some days the only thing that could get me through was lipstick. Recently, Jen went on to a show called Powwow Pitch. It's all about profiling indigenous entrepreneurs. And she was telling the story of her brand and she became emotional when she talked about her brother who passed away in 2015. He was so funny. He would, I can't even listen to the song hello anymore because he, I remember he put out this meme and he's like, hello has me missing people. I don't even know. I had no clue of maybe how sad or depressed he really was. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So he as well had a problem with alcohol. So it was October 2015. So he ended up going to a rehab just in London. So I ended up picking him up and driving him to the airport to hang out for a bit. I was telling him and he was just, he was in awe. He was like, this is incredible. This is amazing. He said he'd never heard of anyone that would start a business that would support First Nations people. And he's like, Jen, he was a youth worker for many years. So he's like, you have no idea how much hope these kids need. And then they need a lot of help and a lot of hope. So when I'm having a bad day, those words that he said, they run through my mind because I can't give up. Her brother's words acted as validation and motivation that would propel Jen's vision forward. To her, words and gestures have tremendous meaning, even if you just think of the name Cheekbone Beauty. She chose the name not only because Indigenous men and women are known to have phenomenal cheekbones, she told us, but also because according to research studies, people with high cheekbones are deemed more trustworthy. One thing you'll notice if you place an order from Cheekbone Beauty's website is that your package will arrive with a single pink feather. It's a symbol of love and gratitude, says Jen, when people put their trust in her to purchase one of their products. As we suspected, the liquid lipsticks are her bestsellers, specifically the shade Melina, which is a peachy beige, and Autumn of rich blue-red. As we mentioned, every shade name tells a story of an inspiring Indigenous woman. Shannon Costachuan is a young lady who was from Attawapiskat, Ontario, and she ended up going to a school outside of her reservation and seeing the difference that she's like, oh my goodness, these kids get to go to a really nice school. Like, what's wrong with our school? So in Attawapiskat, their school had been contaminated by some kind of oil spill or gas damage or something like that. So they had been going to schools in portables for her entire school career. So this was when she was 13 years old, I believe, when she started. And so she'd been all those years going to the school in a portable, not knowing any different until she visited a school off reservation. And she realized that like 
First Nations kids deserve to go to clean, safe, and comfy schools as well. So she started this project in her grade eight class. They all went to Ottawa, I believe, and went into the hill and tried to get some political people involved. And they all said, well, not right now. Um, but she didn't give up. She kept fighting. And so she became like this activist for for schools for First Nations kids and that their education in schools should be just as nice as every other kid, right? And um, and sadly, she passed away when she was 15. However, um, some young people as well as an MP took over the project and now it's called Shannon's Dream. And that's where 10% of all of our profits go to Shannon's Dream. Again, I love the sense of community that she is creating. Another way that Jen is doing that is through the launch of an ambassador program. Yeah, she just started it this year, and the intention is to build a team across all of North America. The pilot program had 16 brand ambassadors, 10 Indigenous women, and six that are non-Indigenous. Her plan is to have 200 brand ambassadors by the end of 2019. Basically, they get paid a commission on all sales under their personal codes. Um, Other brands like Glossier do this. They get discounts on products. But the best part is that there's uh, training and online courses. It helps the ambassadors develop their own sales and marketing skills that they Mm -hmm. can use and apply to any career. I love this idea. So little known fact, Jen once applied to be on the TV show Dragon's Den. That's what it's called in Canada and the UK. In the US, you may know this reality show as Shark Tank, where entrepreneurs pitch their business ideas to a panel of venture capitalists in the hopes of securing investment funds. But before you make it on air, you have to go through a lot of rounds of auditions. Jen auditioned and did not make it past the first round, but we wanted her to fill us in on that experience had a cold that I had for like three weeks and then it turned into like a flu but it was the last day like they'd already done the cross Canada thing and I should have went sooner and I never did anyway I went and it was awful um it was the end of the day so I got there late so you're like one of the last people to go so they're just everyone's tired so you gave your pitch and what what was her response she um well said did you grow up on the reservation and I said no And, um, and then, well, and it was basically, there's already a lot of cosmetics brands. We don't need another one kind of thing. Right. So I understood where she's coming from. I'm a huge empath. I'm so I'm, I'm always like, there's a reason why the person was angry or she wasn't angry, but there was, it's just, and I'm thinking in my mind, I know something better. Well, maybe it's not what I need. Maybe that's not the thing for cheekbone, right? Like or right now, anyway. Right now. Yeah. Maybe not right now. I was depressed though. Cause I didn't do my best job either. Yeah, right? right. The learning curve is crazy. Yeah. And you've probably got yeah. people in there who are on their fourth, fifth business. Yeah. Well, right? one guy before me is like third time's a charm. And I'm like, yeah. what? Jill and I, we've been around and we've seen a lot of brands and I really, I, there probably are some indigenous made cosmetic brands, maybe skincare and bombs, but certainly never seen any makeup. Mm -hmm. I think it's very unique and very special. And I would be paying attention if I were vetting a whole bunch of cosmetic brands. I agree. There are a lot of, there's still skincare coming up in newness. There's really not been anything like this. And I think all you have to do is look at your Instagram to see the community building that's happening around beauty. And it's so beautiful to see. Can you tell us 
some of what's happening on Instagram or, you know, what kind of interactions you've had? This was built from social media. And I think this uh, innate connection that we as Indigenous people have with one another, um, and that's a connection of history, it's a connection of pain, and it's a connection of this newfound joy and like this way in the horizon um we see a nation of us across what we call turtle island is north america of we're rising and we're we're gonna we're we're changing the narrative together about what people think about first nations indigenous and inuit people and Métis people, um, there's been these stories for such a long time of what we think they were, and I believed those myself. So I don't blame anyone that believes something that just might not be true or doesn't understand why it is true. And then let's give people the platform to, to, to start over, to make a new story and to do it together. And that's what this is. I can never take any credit. I didn't do this on my own. I have a nation. Like, I'm not kidding. If you look at the Instagram, these are women that have helped me do this. Like, I didn't do this by myself mm-hmm. um, at all. And I will never, ever, ever say that. It's been a collective and it will be and to keep going too. Mm-hmm. And there's like some great big brands that are do support indigenous communities. Like I know Nike does a lot of stuff, Mm -hmm. but again, like if Nike's doing it and succeeding, yay, they already were right. Yeah. But for some kids sitting on a res to see another indigenous person who comes from that is the same, who looks Mm -hmm. the same to see them succeed that mm-hmm. is so empowering to them because that's what that's hope that's mm-hmm. that's hope right mm-hmm. there this isn't just for indigenous no. women so can you talk about that a little bit the amount of emails that i receive or messages on social media from people when they just find out about it like i i my husband's always like oh my gosh he's crying again or my kids are like she's crying again because i'll be reading them and it's just of someone saying i'm not indigenous this is the best thing i've ever seen my whole life and i can't wait to buy it and this is amazing and keep going right so and that happens almost every single day talk about validation now and, and it's happening more and more which is amazing but i know that there's so many women that care about this because we call them from our communities their allies right they realize they understand cultural appropriation and what it what it means and what it doesn't mean and they understand that we need support and that um those are the the people that uh, i feel connected to like a a heart connection because they get it right Thanks for tuning in. Visit BreakingBeautyPodcast.com for details on all the damn good products we talked about in today's episode. And be sure to sign up for our newsletter. That way you'll get every episode delivered right to your inbox. You won't miss a single thing. Or subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast fix. And please show us some love by rating us or reviewing us in iTunes. See you next time. Like a cherry bomb, like a cherry-